Hey now, and welcome to the City Off Campus podcast with your favorite hosts, Sammy Sommerfeld and Jack McFarland. We've got a special update today where we're going to be talking about week one recap with the Chicago Bears and our fantasy football teams, as well as what we're looking forward to about college football this weekend and the Bears this weekend on Sunday against the Giants. Jack, what's your thoughts on the Bears so far? I didn't even think week one could be as big of a roller coaster as it was. Um, yeah, I happened to watch that game with Lions fans, as few as there are. I found two Lions fans, so I was watching with them. And I'm pretty sure at one point the score was like 20. I don't even know what it was. So it was so out of reach. And I looked at them and I said, what do you feel right now? And they're like, we need to score 40 or else this game isn't done. And sure as shit, the, the Bears came back. But Against the Lions week one, I mean, you kind of just got to chalk it up and say, hey, this season's already kind of weird, and that was a weird week one. Let's hope we don't see it again. Um, they, they can't make those same mistakes against Saquon. So we'll definitely see if the Bears figured it out during this week. I'm excited to see if Robert Quinn comes back. Um, I'm excited to see if Mitch can do a full game because we've gotten used to the whole Mitch – playing with tempo in the fourth quarter and then becoming good, but can't figure it out for three quarters. I don't know. I feel like this is like the same Bears team over and over and over. But the one thing I will say is they have a great run game. And I haven't been able to say that with Nagy. They ran the ball really well. That was something that I enjoyed to watch. Yeah, I I think one thing for me is I just go back to that swift drop ball. And I just think about how lucky the Bears were. Oh, they man. were so lucky on that drop. But it's so that's so Lions to drop. It's such that. a it's such a Lions thing. And of course it's the running back position too. Like the one position where they've able they've been able to take pride on. Like, you know, and a guy who they were so excited about having this season and DeAndre Swift coming into the season. And of course it's just like Matthew Stafford throws a perfect ball and it's it's literally what Matthew Stafford's career is he has one or two decent players around him he tries to rely on them he tries he puts them in the perfect position to win and then something Lions happens I I do you think Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer if he plays anywhere else because I do I think he is so damn good and he is like Megatron like Barry Sanders, like anyone else that has played for the freaking Lions, their their careers just get wasted. Well, and that's the thing that's crazy is you look at the Lions and you look at Stafford where the Lions never had a quarterback until Stafford. They, you know, everybody in 08, you know, I think back to my friends who were Lions fans at the time were so hyped for Stafford because they were like, we, we're going to have Calvin Johnson. We're going to have this piece. We're going to have that piece. Like, we're going to do something. And it was after their worst season ever, but they were hyped because they're like, we finally got a quarterback. And then look at what's happened over the last 10 years, 10, 12 years. You have a guy who's everybody says is a top 10 quarterback, but if you look at his record, it does not say so. And that's what's crazy about Stafford and the Lions. And, you know, I think about Stafford all the time. If he was on the Bears, you know, over the last 10 years, what that could have been. Oh, my gosh. Like, think about Stafford on the Bears last year, Mm. how much that offense could have opened up. And he just has that powerful arm. And you know what? It's funny, but I relate a lot of Stafford 
like kind of play to Matt Ryan, even though Matt Ryan's had more success. I think if you put Stafford in like the Falcons position, Stafford's the guy that brings him over the edge. He's like a better version of Matt Ryan. That's yeah, kind of what I compare I could, him to. I could see that. Matt Ryan's got some inconsistencies, but he's also an MVP, so he, he has turned it on once. Right. But he blew a 30 But think about it, Stafford, Stafford turns it on. He throws for yards and yards and yards and yards, but he just doesn't pull Ws. And, you know, you look at it too, like last year the running back got hurt for, you know, a good part of the year and carry on Johnson. He, when he came back, he was dominant. He was a beast, but like, what? One thing, one thing I don't get with the lions is you just mentioned carry on Johnson. Like, yes, he's back this year. He got hurt last year. He's a great running back. They draft Swift who great counterpart to carry on, but then they sign Adrian Peterson who yeah, looked that was go- a weird he, one. He looked good. Don't get it twisted. Like, he looked good. But every time he's in the game, it is almost a dead giveaway that if there's a fullback in, they're running the ball or it's a play action. There isn't a whole lot else the Lions can do because it's not like AP is going to run a route. He can't run routes. That's why they drafted Swift. If they had AP run routes, it would be a complete waste of a play. So, I don't know what – I don't think he's going to be – like they're running, I don't. I don't think AP is going to be relevant for the entire season. I think at some point, Carry On needs to step in because he, he didn't at to. all. He well, didn't and all. I've wondered if they've brought Adrian Peterson and Thomas mentor those guys. Yeah, be like here's how you do it. But what I don't understand is Adrian Peterson had a decent year last year, and everybody thought after the whole Redskins thing with you know um guys or you know however you say his yeah, name. it's guys yeah 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 who the fuck um, cares anymore that guy's yeah. a scumbag yeah he's a scumbag i thought adrian peterson was going to be the back for that team this year you know who knows what the redskins were going to be but i was shocked that they cut him yeah and for the you know for a team like the lions where they don't have a ton of leadership and a winning culture where you know matt patricia is bringing in basically half the patriots defense to like basically try to replicate the Patriots but that's a whole other story um I think Adrian Peterson's a nice piece in terms of a leadership role for that offense but I don't think he's gonna be an impactful he's not gonna be Vikings Adrian Peterson for them no but I think it's it's interesting because last season I read a a headline or an article that AP was broke and broke AP though he's old broke AP is working a lot harder than I saw AP like when he was with the Saints like AP was complaining with the Saints he got off the Saints after like four weeks or whatever it was like Like, two games I think yeah not even like AP is playing like he wants to play right now I don't even know how old he is but it is so damn cool to see him still playing it's just confusing to see him on a team like the Lions right and I honestly thought when Adrian Pearson went to the Saints and got shipped off to the Cardinals he was going to have a career like Emmitt Smith Oh, I thought he, he was the Cowboys. Done. Yeah, I thought he was done, and I thought yeah. it was going to be like, you know, Emmett Smith, his last two years in 01 and 02 on the Cardinals, where it's just like yeah. he gets the ball and you don't see him leave the line of scrimmage. Yeah. But going back to the Bears, um, one thing that I was surprised by, you know, Mitch obviously had the fourth quarter comeback game, and, you know, he's now going to be this cocky dude where he's going to be like, oh, yeah, like, hey, you know, I'd this rather is my have team. him cocky than but, not. What I like about Mitch is one, th- you know, I'm not a fan of the Foles deal personally, and I think they could have gotten guys like Cam Newton, and I've spoken like that, you know, since the beginning. But one thing that 
I do like about having a guy like Nick Foles who has the relationship with Nagy and with that offensive coordinator and with the Bears organization and with the coaching staff is Mitch basically has to prove and has this chip. And I like gritty Mitch. Like, gritty Mitch, I, I can approve of. Like, I've never been a fan of them drafting Mitch. I thought, you know, they could have kept Jay one more year, but that's a whole other story. Or drafted Watson or Mahomes, but, you know. You would have rather had, you would have rather had color for another year than Watson. I would have I would have ha- loved having well. Here's my thing: I would have loved to have Cutler and then draft Watson or something, and then put him behind him, and then just be like, okay, Jay, like. You know, do you think? You, do you, you think do? Jay would have been boys with Watson, or would he just been a little standoffish? Oh, Jay would have been like, screw you, I'm gonna play, and then until he's pushed out, yeah, you know, it's Jay, and then if he pouts in the corner, that's that's the Jay I love well, to see. Well, and so be it. That's how Jay's going out. <laughs> exactly. But going back to Mitch, I think the last few years, he had the pressure of being the number two pick, of being compared to these guys, and that really, you know, he was a little baby in the facility last year when he was like, turn off all the TVs, I can't watch being blasted by Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless, like their opinions even matter. And he you know, just kind of fell, he kind of went into a shell and kind of became a shell of himself, even I think as a person emotionally. So I think now realizing, okay, my options not picked up. If I go anywhere else, I'm going to be like Marcus Mariota, where I'm being a backup quarterback for the Raiders or, you know, I'm going to no man's land. Mm -hmm. So he basically has to leave it all on the field every game. Cause if not, if he, if he messes up to a point where, you know, the bears are even like the lions game, the game's on the line. They need Mitch to pull through. And if he doesn't pull through, Nick Foles is starting next week and he's on the bench and there goes any big money for him. So I think he has a lot to play for. I think another thing that's important about Mitch is I think he's thinking game to game instead of win loss in a sense of like, you know, in order to make the playoffs, I need to win these games. And if I don't, you know, all this pressure is going to be put up, placed upon me. All this blame is going to be placed upon me. I think he's playing game to game, which for him is really smart. I think if you're an elite quarterback, you think long term and you think the whole season through and you can brush off a win or brush off a loss. But for Mitch, every game counts. It's like the playoffs for him. That's what it is. So I like seeing what he can do under pressure. So I think this Giants yeah. game is going to be really interesting to see. The reassuring I feeling I have, I'm sorry, the reassuring feeling I have good. about Mitch is just if he fucks up, it's fine if Foles comes in. It's been proven in the past that yep. Foles is a great court, like QB1B to come in for 10 weeks, nine weeks, whatever, finish the season, go six and three, seven and two, whatever, get those wins, and then carry that momentum in the postseason. Like he did it with the Eagles mm-hmm. twice. He won a Super Bowl once. He beat the Bears. The, the, better of the Bears teams that we've seen in a while. He beat them. So Foles has got it. It's just a matter of whether or not the Bears need to use Foles. And I think the longer Mitch is in, the better Foles will be. I don't think a lot of people understand what I mean when I say that. But what I mean is Foles can't go, I think, more than 12 games in a pro season. Like he can't – that's not what he is. He's a 10-game – come in, bring the juice, bring the energy, carry the momentum to the playoffs kind of quarterback. He can't – he's not a season's length quarterback. And and he needs to know that the whole team's bought into him. Yeah. So I think, you know, like 
with the Eagles. When Wentz went down, they have nobody else to turn to. So everybody's bought in on Foles. It wasn't they even just the team that leader. bought into him. It was the city that bought into yeah. him, too. They were loving yeah. Foles. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing, too, is if Mitch is so awful and Bears fans are just like, get him out. You know, the coaching staff's like, you're done. We're, we're benching you. Foles is going to be like, okay, this is my team, like 100%. Yeah. You know, he's going to get max permission. He's going to get, you know, everybody's support and, you know, buy him. So I think that's going to be big if we go to that situation. But the thing that does worry me is long-term, you know, after this season, if Mitch is awful, we're paying Foles to be our starter crazy money for the next year. Or two. Oh, it's, I don't not think cra- it's not crazy, but, crazy but, money. But for Foles, it's crazy money in my opinion. Yeah, but so, it's, it's, it's either Foles or y- you sit there and you say, oh, fuck, we got we to gotta pay Mitch. Let's pay him like – 15 mil for three years well, or something. Well, my, my hope is what they do is Mitch has a good year where, you know, because for me, I don't want to waste the number two pick. The investment we made on him, I don't want to lose him if he can actually win us games. If we make the playoffs with Mitch leading us there, even though I don't love him, I would support keeping him around another year or two and see what he does. But I would do it like a basketball contract, like a one, you know, a one V one or something like where they give him a team option, you know, two year deal or something. And they pay him 20, $25 million. And if he sucks, he sucks. If he's just a one, you know, if it was like one standout year, but if he can show that the team's bought in, um, he has weapons around him. I think that's huge too. Having a Rob re-signed is going to be a big thing because you know people on Twitter are comparing it to the Jimmy Butler thing with the bull with the Bulls. I don't and think it's happening. I, I don't think so, and I think it's going to be a huge mistake. Allen Robinson isn't my favorite wide receiver, but I think when you look at what's out there right now and what the Bears could actually have or get, he's like our only option of a big deep threat. So for me, I think the Bears are in a no-win situation because. If they don't do it, we lose a huge target. And if we do do it, we might be overpaying a guy who might not be as good as, you know, he's getting paid to be. That's the thing that I've really been toying with in my mind, Sam. And I've been talking about it with a lot of my friends is Robinson wants 18, 19, $20 million a year. That's top. That's top seven, top five money. Okay. Now he is a great receiver, great, big, deep threat. He's 27. He's torn his ACL. So he's already got that asterisk to his name. You want to pay someone like him 19, 20 mil a year. Great. I understand the idea. But right now, if hypothetically, I see the writing on the wall, I don't think Mitch comes back. Okay. So if we cut Mitch's deal out, we have Foles only remaining. Foles cap hit is six and a, 6.66 million. The Jaguars are eating over $10 million for yeah. us these past these next two years. After 2021, the Bears have a possible out with Foles. So if they go with Foles and they don't have A-Rob, then they're going to need to look for a quarterback in 2022. And the receivers that they'll have on roster is going to be Mooney, Miller, uh, Wims. Ridley's nothing. Like Ridley won't, hasn't right. played. Patterson probably won't be Huge here. Disappointment. So, and point and being, this Ted off, Ginn. yeah, and Ted Ginn really didn't do much last week. So, point being, this offense has a lot of questions that they have to answer based on projections going the next two, three years. 
there's no assurances at quarterback. So I feel like at the same time, if there's no assurances at quarterback, how can you give a top receiver, top receiver money if he can't perform to that evaluation that they're giving him based on the contract? I don't think they're going to give A-Rob the money because he can't perform like he would. They don't have the assurance of getting A-Rob the ball, period. Like he's been with Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and possibly a, a bad Nick Foles if Nick Foles has to play a right. full season. A-Rob won't be A-Rob. Like he's he's better off going to somewhere like freaking Cincinnati and playing with old but, Yeah, Green. but then again – if you look at the Bears, if you're going into a situation like that for the next two, three years, who's going to go to the game? Like, you know, Bears fans are loyal fans and people are going to show up. Oh, I don't think who's going to attract. I don't think no, no, no. But offensively, who attracts you to want to see a Bears game for the casual fan? You have Run the, the damn ball, Sam. That's game. what they're doing. They're rowing, running the damn ball. Okay. That's why they trade okay. up for Montgomery. Damn it. Okay. But let's see. Let's. The thing for me is let's see what happens with in the next two three years because here if you look at the team, if I was you know just a casual football fan, and if I saw the roster of Miller, Wims, like these guys, you know, luckily we don't have Adam Sheehan anymore because then I would really be over the edge. But yeah, hold gonna, on, like, it, I don't even think we got we even talked about Sheehan getting. I, the Bears traded him to the Dolphins. Yeah. They, they got something for him. Which yeah, is, six round pick. I can't even believe that. I can't I'm even shocked. believe that that guy got a fucking like draft pick for how bad he is. Keep going. I'm sorry. We never talked about this on the pod. I had to bring it up. It's <laughs> yeah. absolutely asinine that that guy was valued at a six round pick. Really? And so the one thing that does intrigue me is what could the Bears get back for him? But then when you look at it, when it's so public that he's so done with the organization, there's going to be a deal that doesn't play out in the Bears' favor unless they, you know, pull something crazy. Because, you know, do I think before if A-Rob didn't, you know, go off on Twitter and have his agent speak out, do I think the Bears could have gotten a first for him? Possibly. I re- you know, especially a team that can, is trying to contend. I think even like the Texans – could have tried to, you know, to try to replace that Hopkins gap. You think about, you know, a player speaking out and everybody knows that he is so unhappy. I think it's more like a third and a fifth or something like that. You know so then it's like, how them. worth it is it you know to get something like that to? back? I could, I or, could see A-Rob going to, I could see him, I could see, like you just said, the third and the fifth. I could see the Patriots making a deal like that. They don't have right. a number one. Right. They got they got Edelman. They got Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry wasn't great. Edelman's but he also literally made of powder. He he's also dealt with injuries. Edelman's made of powder at this point. Um, they need a big body. You know, yeah. Harry can't stay healthy. They got Cam. You know, he, that offense would be huge. It'd be I I would like that move. But then again. I don't think A-Rob gets moved mid-season. I think the Bears wait until the end of the season. I think they're going to franchise tag him if they can't get a yeah. deal done because I really, I, I really, really don't think they're going to find a common ground. Like Ian Rappaport tweeted this morning that there's still a gap between the two parties and they're still working on it. Great, dude. That's just the agents leaking the shit to the media to get some like it, – it's the art of negotiating. They're trying to get it to the public. I don't think anyone anything's going to happen. They're going to tag him for, like, 
17 million, I think. He's going to be pissed. Then he's going to get traded somewhere. And then someone's going to have to give him that deal. I don't know who that someone is, but I really don't think it's going to be the Bears. Because if they they would have paid him already if they really wanted him to. But they decided instead they valued Eddie Jackson more. And Eddie Jackson can play to his value. They valued Whitehair more, and he can play to his value. And then I guess they valued Trevathan a little more. He did did not look good week one, by the way. He needs to step back up. But is I think this still goes back to the quarterback situation. Because if you have a quarterback that you're invested in, makes everything and a lot you're, easier. You're going to put weapons around. Think about it. Think about the Cardinals. I'm going to give the Cardinals as a example. Or even the Bengals. Even the Bengals have some weapons for Burrow. Yeah, but AJ Green doesn't even want to be there. He was kind Dude, of. Dude, but, but even then, but even then, AJ Green's like number two in Bengals history and everything. Oh, he's a the, great. He's the guy, an underrated wide receiver. Super underrated. Super. Him and Geno Atkins on the D line because Geno mm-hmm. Atkins gets like first team All Pro every year. Yeah. Um. But you look at the Cardinals. So you have Larry Fitzgerald, where that's just kind of like until he wants to retire, he's going to be a Cardinal. But then you have guys like Christian Kirk, and then you go out and you get a guy like Hopkins because you believe in Kyler Murray. Right. Everybody, you know, they're fully invested. Or you can even say the Browns last year. They go out of their way to get OBJ to try to give Baker another weapon. They get Austin Hooper this year with Njoku still on the team. And Kareem and they, Hunt. And Kareem Hunt. Well, they and they just gave him an extension. So you have exactly. Kareem Hunt and Chubb. And so you have this offense built around your young quarterback before he gets paid. And the Bears would have done that the year they went 12-4. and four. But they lost the playoff game. And then they were like, okay, we're going to give Mitch another year to see what he can do. And Mitch was Mitch. So then it's like, it's hard because you go into this year where there's so many unknowns where you either see how good Mitch can lead a team or how bad it can get. So then you're like, we have this wide receiver who's super unhappy, but we don't want to pay him yet because we don't even know what our quarterback situation is going to look like in a year. Yeah. Yeah. So it just goes back to the quarterback. And that's why, you know, it's funny because, you know, as a Bears fan, as somebody who never was happy about getting Mitch, I've always been optimistic about it. I think just because I felt like it's our only hope. You can only be optimistic. It's the only time, though. Because you go back to the Rex Grossman, Kyle Orton, Brian Greasy years, every year you were either like you believed in them or you were like, okay, we're just going to get another guy, no big deal. It was, and then we got Jay, and then it, that was the whole thing. But and I'm, I won't go into that. But well, they gave up an arm and a leg for Jay, and people are even right. at, and people are even upset after that whole Jay era, where the Bears like essentially gave up similarly what they gave up for Mitch, for Mitch. For, for a guy like Jay who was already proven in the NFL, rookie yeah, he had, a, had a good arm. Right, the guy was something. Then they kind of take the next step. And they make that same gamble, except on a number two overall guy who isn't a number two overall guy. So the gambles have been getting more and more ambitious as the years have gone on. And obviously management has changed, but it just proves that quarterback in Chicago, there's never really been a good one. They don't need a great one. They need a good one. Jim McMahon wasn't a great one, but he knew how to manage an offense. We just need a manager. And that's what Rex Grossman was that Super Bowl year where, you know, we always talk about it where if there was a quarterback who was an elite, you know, I go back to a guy like Carson Palmer at the time or something where he had a huge arm, 
might not be the best quarterback of his era, but he was more athletic and a bet, you know, had a better arm than Grossman, we would have won that Super Bowl because we just needed a game manager, but somebody who just had a little bit more of an ability. Where with Mitch, I think he's better than Foles. I think Foles has more experience, so he just has more, you know, especially in the playoffs, like he has that to his advantage. So he kind of knows how to do things a little bit better and is more calm under high pressure situations. But if we have just a guy who's just a little athletic, can stretch the game a little bit more, I think the Bears have something. It's just, you know, whether or not it's Mitch who can do it. What do you uh what do you predict the Bears score to be this Sunday? Um so wow. the, you know when I wow, look at it, you are when, speechless, dude. That's fucked up. Well, here here's my problem right now. I think the Bears are gonna win the game, but you know, you look at Saquon's game last week where he had nine rushing yards, and I think the Bears are either gonna undermine him after that and be like okay we don't have to pay you know as much put as much focus on Saquon as we thought we would or and then he's going to blow them out of the water or they're going to put that time in and you know shut him out so I think the Bears win like 17 10 yeah I watched I watched the the Giants a little because a couple of my roommates have Saquon on their fantasy team We'll get into fantasy talk right after this. The Giants' offensive line is abysmal. Awful. Absolutely terrible. So, if there was any time for the Bears' defense to gain a little confidence after last week, because they got got pushed around a little, if there's any time for them to say, hey, let's wake up, now would be the time. If they were to pin the ears back and go attack mode, now would be the time. They got a young quarterback, a bad offensive line, and a running back who, quite frankly, is getting chirped by former Giants legends Tiki Barber about being a big back that wants to play small. Dude, he's Saquon Barkley. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's a big back that wants to play small. I think he's a great back with a bad team. And it's really easy to say he looks bad when everyone else around him is looking bad. So if the Giants can figure it out, the Bears are going to have to correct some of those mental mistakes they made against the Lions. Trevathan looked terrible against the Lions. He looked really bad. Um, Hicks looked really good. I'm excited to see what Robert Quinn can bring because nobody has seen what he can do yet. We didn't have any preseason. Um, So I don't know. I I think the Bears are going to win. I I think they kick two field goals because the red zone offense isn't great. I think the final score is going to be 20 – I'm going to put it 20 to 13. What was yours? Okay. I said 17-10. Um, yeah. I'm saying 20 to 13, maybe 23-13. I just think it's one of those. The under is going to hit. The Bears are going to cover. It's just going to be a gross Sunday afternoon game that people watch at like 12, and then they're like, all right, well, what's, what's next? What's on at 415? That's yeah. basically what's going to be yeah. this Sunday. But I do think for the Bears, I think if they're able to really shut down a guy like Barkley yeah. it, and put points on the board, it's going to give the It'll team big confidence. I think, you know, it's funny because you look at our schedule and, you know, the Giants aren't a great team, but they have some good pieces. So I think that it, I look at it almost as like, you know, Clemson playing Citadel today where – 
Clemson really knows they're going to win the game. But it's just to give the guys a little extra confidence if they can stop their best player, you know, at a really high, efficient level. So I kind of think that's what this game is for the Bears. Going into them, it I is think a good they play test. the Packers next. Right? No, they they play the it goes uh, or the Falcons, Falcons Packers. Which no, no, Sam, you're so off. God, read the schedule, dude. It goes Falcons, Colts, Bucks, Panthers, oh, Colts, Rams, Bucks. Saints, Titans, Vikings, Packers. Packers. Dude, I have no idea. For some reason, I thought we were playing the Packers early on this year. I don't know why. Well, I, well I'm glad they don't because it's an awful first game for the Bears to always play. I'm glad it was the Lions. I know. This I, time. That, that's probably why I think it because I'm just so used to the Bears playing them one time early, one time late. Yeah, but don't they finish the season with them? So it's great. It's one or one or the other. That's the worst for us, though. I'd yeah. rather play them at the start. Hey, I, but they think play about the a Jaguars. few years ago. They play the Jaguars before that last game, so they get a good tune-up, a good time to okay. feel good and play good before they go. Hopefully, we'll be twelve and three. Oh my God, let's just hope we have double-digit wins, dude. Yeah. So now <laughs> right. going on to fantasy. Yeah, let's do it, dude. I'm fired up. So I'll go into. My smaller league first, my team yeah. that I've got going for me. So I got a quarterback. So hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. how, how many teams in the league? How many teams? How many teams? It's like eight. It's a weak eight? league. Okay. Yeah. And then what pick did you have? I had second in both leagues. Okay. All right. All right. So it was a high pick. All right. So I have Russell Wilson at quarterback playing New England. I think Russell Wilson's going to be Russell Wilson. And then, so I had a dilemma at second because obviously you know Christian McCaffrey goes first every time and I was like do I take Zeke or do I take Barkley and I really didn't want to take Barkley because of the O-line that the Giants have but I felt like if I didn't take Barkley I would be stupid yeah so I had to take Barkley so I Barkley so he's projected to have 20 points but I think it's going to be either between 10 and 20 yeah um I don't think he's going to go over, like, 23. Then I have Josh Jacobs, who I made sure I had to get because I love Josh Jacobs and what he does on the field, and I think he's just such a productive back. Then at wide out this week, I'm starting Amari Cooper and DK Metcalf. Metcalf had a huge game last week. I think he's going to have a big – I think he's going to have an okay game. I think he's going to – he's projected to have 11 points right now. I think he's going to have, like, 13. I think he's going to get DK a touchdown against – covered by Gilmore. Yeah. And so I think he'll get around 13. I got – so I have Kittle starting in both leagues, but I had to bench him because he's not playing this week. So I have Waller starting for me on this team. What a backup. Great backup. And people didn't draft him, and I was like, you're not taking Waller That's here? Like, stupid. So I'm like, I, you know, I, I'm a big Waller guy. So I made sure I got him. So he's projected to have 13 against New Orleans. I think he'll get around 10 to 12. I don't think he's going to get 13 um, just because, you know, who knows how efficient their offense will be against the New Orleans team. And then my flex, this is my favorite player in fantasy. He did great for me last week, but I literally made him my number one player on my board where if he was around by a reasonable round, I was going to take him early, which is Jonathan Taylor. I was so hyped for him. I was sad that um, that Marlon Mack got hurt. No, you weren't. I was weren't. so not happy. As, not as sad as I was as so me. happy for my team because Jonathan Taylor now gets double the touches. And so then on defense, I got the Steelers defense in both leagues, and then I got Bucker as my kicker. Right. So I can't go wrong there. That's pretty good. So it's well, a pretty good team. 
this is this is my one. This is I don't even know if this is my smaller, bigger league. This one's got ten teams, and then my other one's got I think twelve. Okay. Fourteen. Wow. Ooh, okay. That's a big league. Big league. Yeah. So we'll we'll go with the uh we'll go with the tenor first. So um Russell as well. And then I have Clyde Edwards. And then I had I'm pretty sure I had Marlon Mack. And then, like we said, he tore his Achilles. So I had to hit the waiver wire. I picked up Peyton Barber, starting running back for the Washington football team. <laughs> Dude. Great team name. It's a great team name. It's really creative. You want you want to know what else happened? I had freaking Le'Veon Bell who got hurt. So Le'Veon <laughs> and, and Marlon. Is he out for the year? Yeah, he's on IR, I think. Well, it's not for the year. He could come back at like week four. Oh or yeah, five he, or something. yeah, but it's Le'Veon Bell. Who knows? Yeah, he, he might hold to out. Set out games. Yeah. So then I have Julio, Amari, Evan Ingram. That's super, super, super tough. You can't beat me there. Um, T.Y. Hilton at my flex because I don't have any good running backs. Uh, Ravens D, Will Lutz, and then, like I said, I have Le'Veon on the bench, Edelman, who's made of powder, Henry Ruggs, who probably is made of, like, thin sticks. Uh, he, he's questionable. Matt Breda, who I guess he's projected, th- like, three points. I, I guess he doesn't play. I don't know. Um, Robbie Anderson, who has, like, zero – place in my lineup because everyone else is so good but yet he is also good uh ben roethlisberger because i'm optimistic that he has a good year but as well he has no place in my lineup and then alan lazard just because i watched him play in high school and he was super 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 cool to watch and he's super good for the packers now because they don't draft receivers so you might as well just pick one of them up uh, so yeah, that team, that team's definitely feeling the injury bug right now. How's your injury bug situation? So for my bigger league, so it's 10 teams. Normally it's like 12, 14, but it just, we literally made the league Wednesday night. So it was a very quick thrown together league, but, um, we're hit hard by the injury bug right now. So I have Wilson at quarterback for this team, Saquon too. Then Jonathan Taylor. Jesus Christ, you have Russell Wilson and Saquon for both teams? Yeah, dude. Nobody drafts Russell Wilson. And I'm like, you know, people people drafted Tom Brady before I got Wilson. And I'm like, Tom Brady is awful for fantasy. Wow. And so my wide receiving. (laughs) Yeah. And so my wide receiving core is, like, really struggling right now. So I have to start Marquise Brown and Deontay Johnson, who Deontay Johnson Ew. I got as a backup because Chris Godwin's hurt. Yeah. Um, George Kittle's hurt, so I'm starting Hunter Henry, which – I have Hunter Henry in this league, too, in my 14. I, lo- I, love, Hen- I love Hunter Henry, but my problem is they're playing Kansas City, and he's going to – he's projected to get around nine points. So that worries me. Then I had to put as my flex Devin Singletary, which is just so I like tough. Him. I don't like him. So tough. But they're playing Miami, so I'm pretty excited for that game. Um, and then I have Steelers defense and Robbie Gold as my kicker. But on my bench right now, I have Henry Ruggs on my bench, who's questionable. I probably would have thrown him in instead of Deontay Johnson. Yeah, just because of his speed. Yeah. But he's questionable right now, so that might be a Sunday decision. And then – because my league was – people drafted so many wide receivers, I – at the end of the rounds, I literally, like, had to scramble for another wide out. So, I had to get Justin Jefferson, which, you know, it's a rookie. 
but bad. yeah, but you know, he's not putting it, he didn't put up anything last week. So I'm hoping like he has one or two weeks of production, then I can start playing him. Because yeah. I love I loved him in college. And then my backup tight end is Chris um Herdon or whatever his name is from the New York Jets. Yeah, who cares? And, he plays for the Jets. Yeah. And then I have Jared Goff as my backup quarterback for this league and I Bucks defense. I I ended up keeping two defenses because I wasn't too confident with the Steelers right away. I felt they were a little overrated. So I was just like, just in case the Bucks front seven ends up being dominant, yeah. I've got to have them. So I'm yeah. keeping them for the first four weeks, and then we'll see what happens. Moves will be made. But my rule is I don't make moves until week five, at least. Like last year, my team had such a slow start, both leagues. And then we ended up taking off, and I won both leagues. I, I literally slid into the playoffs at, like, the fourth, fifth seed, and I crushed it. So I don't make moves unless I have to. Yeah, I, I'm I, confident in my I drafting don't know what, ability. I don't know if I'm going to make any moves, but this team, I think uh, – I don't know what's going on with this team, actually. I look at it now, and I and I can already tell that I have literally, like, identical ideologies on this one yeah so i have kyler at quarterback i took kyler that was such a bold move because i'm on team kyler this year i think he's gonna rip it up and he, he did will. against the niners he will. um dalvin cook austin eckler amari cooper Stephon, i love eckler i, I love, love eckler's eckler. game stefan diggs who didn't do shit last <laughs> week so i don't know i'm i'm falling into that like issue that the bears have with mitch where they have A-Rob, but they can't get A-Rob the ball because they have Mitch. The Bills can't get Diggs the ball because they have Allen. So, I'm stuck in that position again. Um, Hunter Henry, like you have. And then I have Marvin Jones at flex because I don't have any good running backs in this league either. Uh, Niners D. And then Rodrigo Blankenship is my kicker just because he's got that college swagger and I like it. Uh, I got Drew Brees as my backup. Golden Tate, who's questionable. Breda, who, like I said earlier, probably won't even score a point. Um, Duke Johnson, who got hurt in the first game of the year, so he's probably never going to play again. I don't know. Um, Alan Lazard, again. I, I got an issue. Um, and then I drafted T. Higgins, because, I don't know, why not? And Greg Olson. And okay. I don't think Greg's ever going to play. He might. No. He might. But he's a good one, like, if they're playing, like, week 17 or something. Yeah, they'll and, put him in. And they'll plug him in, and he'll yeah. just, like, tear it up. But my, like, so I got offered a trade yesterday, which, to me, if you're making trades after week one, you don't play fantasy football very and well. And if you're making trades week one, you're a bad GM. Right. You don't so even let a, your team figure out, like, you don't even know what right. they're going to do. I got offered a trade for Barkley because somebody thought they could take advantage of me because Barkley had one bad game. So I get offered Will Fuller and Kareem Hunt, which was a decent offer, I will admit, in terms of, like, they both put up huge numbers week one. So I was like, you know, if it was like week nine and, like, they threw in one more decent player, I would have considered it. Probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger, but it would have been under consideration. But, um, yeah, I was, like, in shock. I hit up the kid in my league, and I'm like, why are you offering me stupid trades? Like, I'm like, why are you trying to trade? And, like, all these kids in our group me are like, yeah, this guy's up for sale already after week one. And I'm like, why would you draft them and then just try to sell? Like, if you're already in sell mode, 
you invested in fantasy football and the you know buy-in you paid is just lost. Yep. Yep. There ain't like, no ride get... in the there ain't no ride in the ship you've built. Right. Like why would you pay to be in fantasy football and then try to tear your team apart the first week with no intention of keeping them together? Because then you basically just wasted the money you paid to buy in. Yeah. Like, no, it's beyond me. You paid to lose. You paid to lose. And I don't lose. So I'm not for it. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm happy we have fantasy football. I wasn't originally going to play because I figured, like, oh, you know, with COVID, who knows what happens. Yeah. But as I started looking at it and seeing, you know, what's been going on, I was like, I have to jump in. As a champion of two leagues last year, I have to reclaim my throne. Yeah, I have my I have my team from last year here on the ESPN app, but – they won't show me the roster and I don't think they want to show me it because it was too damn good for their own website. Cause I won the league, but yeah, my team last year ran the house. We had a, we had a league. And if anyone's listening that was in that league last year, you freaking know we put money on it and I won and I didn't get shit. No, nope, oh, not everyone you didn't paid. Get paid. Not okay. because not everyone paid. It was fucked up. So you want to hear what happened with me? So I'm in the league with 12, 14 guys. I forgot the number. And so the guy who was running our league, he graduated like the previous year. So he wasn't on campus. So he sent the money on Venmo to the kid I was competing against for the championship. And so what happened was, was it a first, was it, was it a first second gets money? Okay. And so what happened was he basically said to me that, if whoever wins, like we basically, what we did was we both split part of the money and then whoever won was going to get like a higher amount. Cause it was so much. We were like, you know what? Like, let's just take at least some and not gamble all of it away. And so what happened was for basically he got lucky cause of COVID, but he never paid me the rest of the money that I was owed in my league. And it was really weird. And he started making excuses like, oh, like I'm working. I can't pay you right now and stuff. And I'm like, so you spent the money that I should have had. And so one day we went out for lunch and he starts telling me about all this stuff he just bought. And then I just like had it. I was like, listen, like I need the money like next week. Like, you know, I didn't want to be that guy like asking for money all the time. It was one of those things. You earned that fucking money. But I earned the money. And it was one of those things where we had this side deal where, like, if he would have won, I would have been, like, keep the money. Like, no big deal. Yeah. And so what happened was, like, March came around, and he was going to give me the money, like, two days before, co- like, we left campus. And it didn't happen. And so then I asked him, like, a week after spring break. I was like, hey, can you just send it to me? He's like, yeah, I'll do it. And he never did. So he's in the league with me this year. And if we're in the championship, you allowed him back. I in the take league? all the money. I wasn't the one running the league. Unreal. He would be blacklisted immediately. Yeah. Unreal. So so there's a little bit of a rivalry for me where, like, when I play him the specific week I do, yeah, damage is going to be done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a belt. He's got a call and bell to answer, too. That's just, I don't know how you Wait, is his team any good this year? Oh, let me see. You got to take a look because. Maybe maybe the fantasy gods spited him and, and gave him an absolute shit roster. Maybe they gave him Marlon Mack, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Cole, Be- Cole Beasley, um, Austin Hooper. I don't know. 
I'm just naming names. You know what? Is he in this league? Now I'm trying to think of it. He might actually not. But man, be in he it. might just be so in your head right now that he's not even yeah. in the league. Anymore. No, he's not in the league. I was wow, thinking about Sam, it. You he are... ended up not doing the draft. Yeah, so he ended up your... not doing the draft. He's in your head rent free right now. Yeah. Yikes. But it's just I don't know how you can join a league, do the buy-in, do everything, and then not pay up when you lose. I just don't know how – or, you know, if you bet and you don't pay the bet, it just makes no sense. Like, I have a bet, so transitioning into baseball. I currently have a bet with my PC about the Sox, so we have about oh, – I, I have a bet with my buddy on the Sox and Cubs, too. So a few of my friends are diehard Sox fans, or claim to be, I'll say. And so at the beginning of the season, me being Mr. Confident Cubs fan, was like, if the Sox make the ALCS, you know, dinner's on me for – a night in Iowa City, you know. If you make the ALCS, if you make the World Series, a whole night's on me. Yeah. And so, you know, to simply put it, I'll say for now. And so, I'm getting all these screenshots after the Sox somehow clinched the playoffs, and they're like, "Sammy's going to be buying us dinner, this and that." Like, you know, oh, you, you know, they're sending the screenshots. I'm like, guys, you haven't even played the series yet. I'm like, <laughs> you guys aren't like, I'm kicking back. I gave them a two-year window. I literally am making this for two years because I'm so confident. Maybe you'll make an ALCS. I'll maybe give you guys that. But are you guys winning one in the next two years? No way. Absolutely no way. But part of me, too, regrets making this bet only because I do kind of wish to see a World Series of Cubs Sox now that there could be a chance of it. So that would be a very entertaining thing. And I would love to hear all of Chicago petition to move the World Series from Texas to Wrigley Field. And oh, to- they would move. They would They would have to. There would be zero way the MLB could defend the decision of having that Chicago World Series in Texas. Like, it, it, same thing would happen if it was Mets Yankees. Yeah. Like, they would have to move it to New York. You couldn't have a freaking New York World Series in, like, Chase Field in Arizona. Yeah. They, they would all freak out. But, yeah, my bet, my bet is um, it's just – Win-loss, whoever finishes with the most wins, uh, loser has to buy the winner a night's worth of drinks. And in the beginning of the year, the Sox were looking a little rocky, and my friend would text me every freaking time the Cubs would win, the Sox would lose, and just ream into me. I should start doing that. But we've stopped for the past month. And I think he stopped because it would have been really boring for him to keep texting me about the Cubs <laughs> losing, the Sox winning, and the, just the record separating. And, you know, one of those. So, oh, no, oh, I, th- I think I'm going to win the no hitters. Yeah, that's, that's that was cool. It was a cool 150-pitch no-hitter. Absolutely Smol- no, no Smoltz, precision. Smoltz said it was one of the greatest thrown hitters he's no-hitters he's ever seen. And he said it was because of the way he threw the pitches for content contact. They were so accurate and precise. He had control of the entire game. When you watch the throws, everything was on point. No. You realize people are going to be listening to this, so they no. won't see your head shaking. Yeah, right? I know. I don't give oh, a okay. shit, Sam. My point being, Lucas Giolito had nine – like nine, That was kind of a boring one. 90 – hold on. 95 pitches or so. 30 of them were swinging strikes. You want to know the last time there was that many swinging strikes in a no-hitter? You want to know who threw it? Sure. Nolan Ryan. So if we're going to say the Sox threw a a boring no-hitter. 
so the performance saying, was historical. So wait, are you saying Giolito's Nolan Ryan? His performance was Nolan Ryan-esque. That's what I said. Anybody can be a Nolan Ryan for a night. That's all I'm going to say. Dude, I'm so done with this Alec Mills bullshit no-hitter. Nobody even know who that guy is. Nobody. That's the point. That's the point. He walked on to his college team at, like, Middle Tennessee or where, it was some random college. Yeah, because who cares about him? And then, he wears and then, glasses when he pitches, dude. And then the Cubs make him the fifth starter, and they're like, Cubs fans, just watch this guy. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be dominant. Just wait. It's going to be so hype. And then here he comes. There was one of the most beautiful no-hitters I've ever seen. He must and have not he, turned on the Giolito. And he time. didn't even get a scholarship at first to play college baseball. Because he's butt. That's he's how bad. good he is. He's butt. That's, that's a developed player. The no. Cubs developed this guy through and you through. You want to talk about a developed player? Garrett Crochet, kid that came oh. in last night. That kid. That kid's something. Now, we all get – a lot of the Sox fans got all high and tight and horny for Kopech. Yeah, that guy can throw 199, whatever. Sure, he's got. But where his, is Kopech this year? Co- um, he, he's recovered I can't from find Tommy him. John. He didn't want to come back on a shortened season. God bless that man. All right, I hope he gets yeah, back. Cause, yeah, because he's going to be throwing like 75 when he comes back. <sighs> Crochet, that guy was getting some Randy Johnson comparisons last night. Oh. He was throwing some gasseroni. Dude, he threw 102 inside on and someone he, and painted it. Anybody can be Randy Johnson for a night. Oh. Let's see the consistency. Let's see it. He's in. He's in the bigs now. They're putting him in the bullpen. Let's see if he can. He, he can handle it. I think he can. I think you're just trying to find reasons oh, to not say look at the that. Sox look are at, exciting. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the playoff stuff right now. You know what? The Sox are going to be like the Cubs. They're both going to be number two seeds right now. But you guys, the might Sox be are going to be the one seed. No, what not are right you now. About? On ESPN right now, they're they're put as a number two seed. The Rays oh. are number one. Like oh the gosh, Rays. Sam. Like you guys can't be better than the Tampa Bay Rays. Sam. Come on, Sam. We have the Dodgers. Listen, like the Dodgers listen, are the first team to make the playoffs. Listen, That's who we're worried about. The Tampa Bay Rays are thirty-four and eighteen. The Sox are thirty-three and eighteen. No, no. Go to the. I understand. Race. It's go based. It's based on. Stage. It's based on win percentage. They have yep. one more game in hand. I understand. That's unfair. Rays are better. No. It just Rays means better. It just means they've played more games. If you want to talk about better teams. The Sox have the number three run differential in all baseball behind the Dodgers and the Padres. The Cubs do not have a top five run differential in baseball. That is a and fact. De- and despite that, the Cubs are the number two seed, same place as the White Sox, and we know how to win. Sam, the Cubs have a 608 win percentage, and the Sox have the a White 647. Sox are gonna be like, the White Sox are like, good thing they're not doing celebrations this year because now – um, that just keeps the White Sox a little bit more grounded. But then they're going to be celebrating when they play game one of their first playoff series and be like, oh, my God, the lights are just a little too bright. They're going to be just like, oh, it's a little too bright. Like, oh, my God, this is the playoffs. You know what? In all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, when it comes postseason time for the White Sox, I think the one thing they have on their side for being such a a young team is and they've shown it this season just in the in the plenty of games that they've played and comebacks. 
they don't know like how to like lose or give up or actually just put their bats down and say shit we'll fight to see another day like they play till the last out and it's the Sox have always been a team that doesn't quit there's always been the hashtag Ricky's boys don't quit this team doesn't know like any better they don't know how to lose and until until they come across until they come across a team like Maybe the Yankees or the Rays that can shut them – and not even the Yankees. They don't have a pitching staff that can shut them down. If someone like the Rays can come in and shut down the White Sox bats, then that'll be the first time that they've really been, like, showed up and know how to lose and be shut down. But otherwise, it doesn't appear like anybody can shut them down because they just don't know how. Here, here's what I will say is when I do watch some of the Sox games, it reminds me of, like, the 2015 Cubs in the sense of there are no so expectations young. on no. the season There's where no it's just, we're bringing up our prospects. They're going to play. We're going to see what they have. And they're just like, you know what? We want to win. Like our dreams to play. It is eerily like we the 2015. And it's so much it like that. Cause when we have, you know, think about it. Like our, I look at Jose Abreu being the young vet in a way. Cause he's only what, like 28. Yeah. And Starling Castro was like 26 mm-hmm. and you brought up, Chris Bryant, I Javi might no. Javi might have been up there, maybe. Javi might have been like he was a bench guy, but you had Addison Russell, you had Contreras, you had all these guys. Schwarber, like all these guys are coming in throughout the year, and they're just like we're hitting, we're hitting, we're winning, we're playing, and there's all smiles. Jake Arrieta throwing a no hitter. Who's coming up finally? Lester is, you know, the. It superstar. was after a Lester signing, like the Sox have made with Keiko, where they got right. that lefty that can come in and be that number two, number one winner. Who's won before? And so I see so many similarities there. I think the Sox have more power bats than the Cubs did, but at the same time, too, the Cubs, you know, weren't even expecting. Like the thing is, the Sox it was kind of expected just because some of the talent that you know came out and last so much year. hype, just so much and hype for the, the Sox. And part of it helped too that you guys were playing sixty games, just in the sense of it was a condensed if, schedule. Hey, yeah, if this season was going to benefit anybody, it was going to be the White Sox because yeah. they didn't Compared, have a full season to fuck up. Right. Compared to the Cubs, where you know they were, you know, so I read an article the other day about the Lester signing six years ago because people are reflecting that, if, you know, Lester, if this is last year with the Cubs, and the way Theo and the front office pitched, pitched being a Cub to him is 2016, we're going to get Hayward and we're going to start making the playoffs. 2015 was not expected. It was more we're going to slowly bring up our prospects and see what we have yeah. for the future. But 2015, we just went off. You know, we won the wild card game. We won NLDS, and then we lost in the NLCS against the Mets. But that was kind of the series where it was just like, okay, like, you know, NLCS minimum. We're making a World Series next year. That's what 2016 is all about. And I do see that being a possibility depending on how the playoffs turn out for the White Sox of, um, you know, we make the you know we make the LDS we lose or we make the ALCS we lose next season we sign one more big free agent and we're running it back that's yeah. kind of what I and with Kopech coming back if he can pitch consistently and at the level he pitched before I mean you guys do have a good chance to really start making runs I know it's it's what what hurts at the same time and one of my friends tweeted about it is if the Sox do end up being the one or two seed. The odds of Renteria being manager of the year 
are exponentially higher, Mm -hmm. meaning they can't move on from Rick. And as much as Rick is a good team manager, he's not a great strategic manager. He doesn't work the bullpen as well as you'd want him to, nor the lineup. He plays people when he shouldn't play them. So, yes, the Sox are exceeding expectations, but in return, they're going to have to retain Rick. You can't get rid of Rick if he wins manager of the year. Like, that just – you can't do that. This guy's been here throughout everything. He needs to give you a reason to get rid of him, and right now he just hasn't. Well, it's kind of like the Yankees a few years ago with Joe Girardi. They would have gotten rid of him two, three years before they did, but then in 2017 they make that run. Yeah. And they're just like, we got to keep Oh, shit, we got to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think with you guys too, what's hard is – like with the Cubs in 2014, when we got rid of Rick, we, you know, you got our sloppy seconds. We had the opportunity to just pay whatever it took to get a manager who fit that team that we were trying to build. And I think for you guys, what you guys have to, you know, and the thing is Rick didn't have the success with the Cubs that trapped us. Like we got to keep them compared, you know, cause none of our guys were up really yet. But with you guys, if you guys do win, there's going to be the casual fans who are like, well, look at where we got with him. We don't want to lose him. And it's going to be, you know, the hardcore fans who are like, we need somebody who's more strategic, smarter, but it's above, on top of things. Over the edge. Like, that's what Madden did with the Cubs. He came in and he was just that presence that – You need a guy to – He ran it. He, he was the general of that team. Everyone bought into what Madden was doing, whether it was just having, like, fun co- costume nights after a game or just – I don't know. I don't even know what Madden did. I didn't really follow the Cubs there, but all I can really say is everyone bought in. The same way they're buying in with Ross now, they bought in with Madden. Well, part of it is he created team chemistry. Great that was team chemistry. That that team, it, it was like the Sox where it was just a ton of very different egos and backgrounds and people just coming up and needing to come together as a team. Like they had Hayward coming out of nowhere, Lester coming out of nowhere, like you just mentioned earlier, Contreras, Baez, Bryant, Rizzo was there too, but Schwarber. Keep it, all yeah. these guys had to come together and, and, and find a way to find their roles, but find success in their role and then find consistent success. And that can't be achieved unless you have someone in charge who can reassure everyone they're doing the right thing, they're in the right spot, they're in the right roles. And that's what Madden did. Madden put everyone in the right spot. Nobody ever yeah. fell out of line. Well, and I think because everybody bought in because they wanted to win also, too, despite how – like, you know, on our 2016 team, we had almost the entire starting lineup of the All-Star game, basically, in the infield. And, you know, we had a few outfielders and pitchers sprinkled in, too. But we had the vets that showed the young guys. The vets were stars in their own right, and they were young stars, too. Like, Jason Hayward was a prodigy when he came up with the Braves. So you had guys like that who were in the shoes of Chris Bryant, Schwarber, Contreras, Baez, who could show them how to be as a pro, how to win as a pro, and show them and teach them that this isn't how it is everywhere else, which made everybody value the situation. And for the Cubs, you know, having this situation of breaking the curse, that was such a precious thing, too, that they knew that opportunities like that didn't come around that often. But I think Abreu, similarly, too, has the role like Rizzo, where he experienced losing at its worst. So now when winning's coming, he wants to show the team that this is something we've got to keep and maintain and continue to build upon. And I think that's huge, just the locker room leadership. 
Yeah, I think all in all, it's an exciting time. And having time a guy like be, Grundahl there, too, is huge. Yeah, I think it's just an exciting time to be a Chicago sports fan. And I, yeah. this goes out to all the people in our Zoom classes that they get asked, like, oh, what's your favorite, like, sports team? And then they're like, oh, I just root for Chicago sports. No, bitch, you got to make a decision now. It's Sox or Cubs. Like, you can't just sit Facts. in the middle line anymore. You can't. Facts. Both teams are yeah. good enough for you to root. I'm from the north side, so I always appreciate Wrigley Field. But my dad's from the south side, so I have an appreciation yeah, for the Cubs. No, no. I mean, for the Sox. No, I'm not. I'm not allowing that anymore. Period. I'm sick of that. You got to choose a side. You don't choose a side. Sox, Cubs. You're bad. Get the hell out of baseball. You're not a freaking fan anymore. You can't do it. People don't sit on the edge of the Yankees, Red Sox. They get shot for doing that over there. <laughs> Agreed. What college football game are you looking forward to today? No, Sam. I'm about to look it up right now. I don't even know what games are on. I'm honestly looking forward to um, the Miami-Louisville game. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. Holy shnikes, there's games on right now. Jeez Louise. Well, I'm excited for Notre Dame just because I like Notre Dame. I think they're going to roll over USF because it's freaking South Florida. Um the only game I would really would have watched was BYU Army. I like that. That's a gritty matchup. And that got postponed. So oh, yeah. now I got to watch the Miami-Louisville game, and I don't know what to expect. I think Is Miami going to be any good? Can yeah, I with see, King. Can with I King see, at QB. I want Tate Martell, damn it. I know. Dude, everybody wants Tate Martell, but at the same time, it's kind of funny in the sense of like, Tate Martell is the guy. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, blow up Ohio State. I'm going to be the guy. And then, Miami, then he's like, receiver. Miami, you don't know what's coming next. Like, I'm just going to crush it. He's all over Twitter every Such day. Has joke. the Miami girlfriend. Is just crushing it. Then he's not the starter. Then, oh, yeah, this is my year. King transfers to Miami. It's just it's such a thing to happen to Tate Martell now. That it's like you, everybody still wants to see him, but at the same time, it's kind of funny to watch a guy like that get that. Happen. Yeah, was I never, he... I never was a you know on the bench in my life. Started four years of high school at Bishop Gorman. I'm a big time guy. I hold all these records, and then yeah, what he was on? He was on QB one, right? The yeah. TV, yeah. yeah. And he was a he was a freaking pretty sure he was a dick in that. He just yeah. acted like a dick. Yeah, yeah, he acted like a superstar. It was he was he was in that with wasn't it the same time Fromm. as like Jake Fromm? Yeah, and everyone yeah. fell in love with Fromm instead of freaking Martell because Fromm seemed like a, a good guy. And then he comes out after he gets drafted saying only elite white people should buy suppressors. Like, great, yeah. nice Fromm. Everyone freaking hates you. He showed he was from Georgia. That, yeah, <laughs> He's he from the South. <laughs> he did show his colors right there. That is for sure. <laughs> Then he's a fifth round draft pick. Yeah, and he's probably actually I can't say he might never play because he is behind Josh. He's Allen, in Buffalo, yeah. And that leash might be smaller than some people think. Yeah. But um I got nothing else. I'm excited yeah, to tackle yeah. this Saturday, Sam. And I love that Rattler's dominating at Oklahoma. My buddy went to high school with him at Pinnacle High School in Arizona. And he told me he he said, you know. Rattler was, you know, the definition of a Oklahoma big-time recruit, like just, you know, the cockiest guy, kind of like a Martell type. But the thing is with Rattler is, like, he's a full-time jerk. 
Like on the field, he's a jerk. Like on QB1, he was a jerk. So it's just you love I love that type of character. Like I don't care if you hate me, I'm yeah. just gonna crush it. And so I think he's gonna he literally is just the definition of the modern Oklahoma quarterback. So I think he's gonna be a fun player to watch this year. I agree. Okay, you wanna close it out? Yeah. Guys, I hope you keep your eyes peeled for this coming Monday. Like we've been doing the past couple episodes, we've got some big guests. This one's probably the biggest of them all. So Huge Hawkeye. That's all I can say. Yeah, I actually don't even want to like say anything else. I just want you guys to come give it a listen. It's going to be a great interview. Um, it's not going to be the same time, but it's going to be the same place. Expect that this next one to be out Monday. Um, not same place, same time. We will see you guys later.